She's known in history not by her name. Her name is actually not even mentioned in the Gospels. Our scriptures only mention her in one verse, 38 words long. 38 words in an ocean of conversations. But a multiplier of three compared to the few words that Jesus mentions as he stands trial before her husband. You're listening to the In All Podcast. This episode tells the story of a misfit, messed up, or marginalized person in the Bible. Someone who found grace when they were expecting judgment. Someone whom Jesus surprised with welcome, love, or forgiveness. These stories are curated by Mercy Street, a church community in Houston, Texas. We believe God is in all places and working in all people to create a safe harbor of hope and restoration. Go to inallexperience.org to find your story in all stories and see how we all find God in all our stories. She's not known by her name, which incidentally pay attention when a woman is named in the Bible, but she is known by who her husband is. She was married to the governor of Judea, who was Pontius Pilate. There's some speculation as to what her name is. Some Eastern Orthodox traditions call her Claudia, granting her saint status. And I guess she would probably say that's pretty embarrassing because if you knew her, the word saint, well, it wouldn't automatically come to mind. Her husband, Pilate, was given his job by Caesar. This Caesar was called Tiberius, and more than likely, Pilate got his position because of a friend, a connection on the inside. Pilate's fear and self-doubt started even from the beginning of his being named governor. Pilate and his wife served in one of the greatest hotbeds of the Roman Empire, the prefect of Judea, which included Jerusalem. The political turmoil of prior revolts by the Jews and the rising up of so-called messiahs was a daily reality for Pilate and his Roman guards. Pilate's responsibilities were to collect taxes, be in charge of building programs, and ultimately he was charged with keeping peace. And so he did anything possible to keep the peace. And that meant the murdering of hundreds, if not thousands, of Jews or political zealots. Pilate was a proud man, and he was a man of incredible strength, but it was a strength masked with incredible weakness and insecurity. Now, I'll pause here and remind us again of reading Scripture, a set of verses in the context of the whole passage. This particular passage will take place in Matthew chapter 27, but we look at this passage in the context of the whole book, and we look at it in the place of the grand story of all of Scripture. And so before we read this passage about Pilate's wife, I guess there are two things which this story reveals to me. Number one is the thread of dreams throughout Scripture. In the book of Genesis, Joseph was the youngest and the favored son of Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham. And Joseph dreamed of God's provisions of uh, food during a time of famine. But let's just say he didn't have exactly a, a really good way of explaining explaining his dreams. When he tried to communicate the dreams to his brothers, they got pretty upset. 
But dreams have always been a part of the way that God speaks to God's people. And even at the beginning of the book of Matthew, Joseph, the adoptive father of Jesus, has a dream. The angel warns him not to dismiss Mary. The angel says, do not follow the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. For God was doing something miraculous through Joseph's fiance. And Joseph was called to take the brave step of moving forward to love this son, Jesus, who would be Messiah for the people. The book of Matthew begins with a dream and ends with the dream of Pilate's wife. The second thing I think this story reveals is perhaps how we see the death of Jesus. Yes, Jesus' death was a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Yes, it is a fulfillment of the scripture of a Messiah who would suffer. The death of Jesus is also the story of innocent suffering at the hands of injustice or pride or power. That Jesus is no stranger to our suffering. And God shows God's love by submitting to suffering. But suffering is never the end of the story. So let's hear the rest of this story, and I'll read it now from the perspective of Pilate's wife. As a woman, I knew my place within the palace. Honestly, I knew my place within the household. There are speculations that I was the great-granddaughter of Caesar Augustus, and throughout my lifetime, I knew many powerful people. I dined at the tables of world dignitaries. Occasionally, when the stress of the day would overwhelm my husband, Pilate, he would process part of his day with me. But for the most part, he came home from making his rounds, making his decisions, and he kept to himself. I knew that in this particular day and age, the Jewish people were an occupied people. They were seen by many as a threat to the Jewish, to the Roman Empire. But that, that belief always astounded me. They had no power, no weapons. They'd been a people occupied for centuries. So when this prophet, this rabbi named Jesus, began traveling down from Galilee into our territory of Judea, I knew that the tension was rising. I could see the worry, the weight on the shoulders of my husband, Pilate. Jesus attracted crowds by the thousands. He was known to be a healer, greater than our magicians. And I'll tell you that sometimes during the high holy seasons, I would go to the temple and I'd hear Jesus teach. I guess it was curiosity that drew me there, but there was something simple and profound to the way Jesus taught. But honestly, Pilate and I did not give much thought about this Messiah figure. Too many others had come and gone. And so it wasn't entirely surprising to me that Jesus ended up appearing before my husband standing trial. From what I understand, he had been arrested late in the night across the Kidron Valley in the Garden of Gethsemane. The garden of literally what means the olive press. He was betrayed by one of his own. He was brought to the high priest Caiaphas' house. They conducted a trial into the early hours of the morning, but they still couldn't find him guilty of any charges. They wanted to sentence him to death. They charged him with blasphemy, but They didn't have the power to actually enact the death sentence, but they knew who could, my husband, Pilate. He had done it dozens of times before. So they brought Jesus to the palace. 
They wouldn't come into the actual praetorium, into the area where Pilate would pronounce his judgments, because if they would have, they would have been considered unclean. But they stood at a distance. And hear now these words from Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 11. Jesus was placed before the governor who asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, If you say so. But when the accusations rained down hot and heavy from the high priests and religious leaders, Jesus said nothing. Pilate asked him, Do you hear that long list of accusations? Aren't you going to say something? But Jesus remained silent, not a word from his mouth. And Pilate was impressed, really impressed. Meanwhile, while court was still in session, Pilate's wife sent him a message. Don't get mixed up in judging this noble man. I've just been through a long and troubled night because of a dream about him. Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere with the crowds and with Jesus. And he turned to Jesus and said, what is truth? Pilate's wife, she had had the dream. You know, those types of dreams that you can't really remember exactly where they take place or who all is in the dream. It's a mixture of different times and seasons of your life. But in her dream, she clearly could see Jesus. And she woke up unable to put it into words, but she woke up terrified and yet drawn into the love and compassion of Jesus's presence. And so she took that bold, brave step, begged her husband Pilate to not follow the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. I tell you what, it's something when you see innocence suffer. History has a lot to say about this event of Jesus's death. Roman guards were the ones who stood at the cross and saw the blood and the water bleeding from this man, the way that Jesus died. I place myself in the shoes of Pilate's wife, and I wonder, what is it like to see the innocent suffer? I believe the grace that Jesus extended and the grace that Jesus embodied was shared with everyone in that moment. But our questions remain, God, why do you allow your son to suffer? And honestly, that question often has no satisfactory answer. It's always been difficult to make sense of suffering. So I guess there's a deeper question. Who is God in the face of violence? God, where are you in the midst of suffering? And as we heard this story tonight through the eyes and the dreams of Pilate's wife, we can perhaps see the suffering of Jesus, the death of Jesus, as a sign of God who is with us and a sign of Jesus who is victorious in the end, even over death. Thanks for listening. When we gather in homes or coffee shops to listen to the In All podcast, we've saved you a seat. Go to inallexperience.org to check out locations for the In All groups in Houston.